Hello, everybody, and welcome back to this week's edition of the About to Review podcast. I'm your host, as always, that guy named John. Make sure to follow the podcast on social media at About to Review, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on your podcast platform of choice, be that Apple Podcast, uh, Blueberry, Stitcher, Alexa via TuneIn, Google Play. It is everywhere. You can also stream the episodes directly from the website About to Review. Dot com, which also has full links to the show notes and guests. On today's episode, this episode is actually going to be split up into a couple different things. First, I'm going to talk about some movies that I saw recently and give you my review of those. Those movies are going to be Christopher Robin, The Darkest Minds, and Black Klansmen. After that, uh, Dr. Andy will be in studio as we talk about the Seattle 48-hour film project, which we have covered for the past like three years. The About to Review podcast is a proud sponsor of that festival. So we'll talk about our top three favorites, as well as some honorable mentions, and just the festival in general. Uh, After that, there will be an interview with Kirk Nordenstrom, who is the city producer of the Seattle 48-hour film project, and then Derek Sheen, a local comedian who is also uh, the MC of the event. Uh, so yeah, what I'm going to do is actually just kind of get right into the show because there is a lot to cover and a lot going on in this episode. So before we get into the bulk of the episode, we need to get into the original theme song created by Damien Randall of Ill-Mannered Media. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. So right off the top of the bat, an update on the podcast awards that I have been talking about for the past couple weeks. So the International People's Choice Podcast Awards, uh, I find out on the 11th of this month if the About to Review podcast has made it onto the next round of voting. So I just want to say thank you to everyone who has voted already, and I for sure will be letting you know if I have made it to that next round. Uh, On August 11th, I think is when we're supposed to know kind of the next steps and what to do if we make it. So thank you everybody for supporting this show. The other way you can support this show is by voting in the Renton City Comic Con Geek Awards for this podcast. Those actually go all the way until I think September 1st is when voting cuts off for those. So you still have plenty of time. The link will be in the show notes below. And with that, you can actually vote for this podcast in three different categories. Uh, Favorite Northwest podcast, about to review. Geek of the year. You could put John Reviewer or that guy named John. And then where do you consume your geekdom? You can put the about to review podcast. So three different options. uh, And that would be fantastic if I could get your support by way of votes in the Renton City Comic Con Geek Awards. So uh, normally right now, I would go into the geek news. So, I mean, I could 
talk about some other things going on. Like Neil Gaiman talked about the Sandman is getting a new comic series and he is overseeing kind of the new Sandman universe. I could talk about that, but I'm not going to. I could talk about how awesome the first image of the women of Terminator is. They released an image with just the three main female leads in the new Terminator reboot, and it looks incredible. Not really going to go into those either. Daredevil Season 3 is going to be coming out in 2018. That was some big news, especially since this year we already got Luke Cage Season 2, Jessica Jones Season 2. Now we're going to be getting Daredevil Season 3 this year. So that is exciting. But the big news that I cannot wait for, that I almost... I mean, I'm not going to say that I can take credit for this, but I did kind of prophesy this uh, a couple weeks ago. (laughs) So the big news is Patrick Stewart, the one and only Patrick Stewart, announced that he will officially be doing a new Star Trek TV show on CBS All Access, basically because CBS realized that after Discovery ended, a bunch of people canceled their memberships. Now they're like, oh, wait, no, we have something else coming down the way, like in a year. So Patrick Stewart will be reprising his role as Jean-Luc Picard from the amazing Star Trek The Next Generation TV show. This is amazing news. When they first kind of were tossing around ideas for like six different shows, they mentioned in a report a few weeks ago, the only one that I said would have a real chance at success is if they brought back Patrick Stewart as Jean-Luc Picard. Boom, it is happening. They have not released any additional details as far as is this going to be a continuation after all of the movies? Is this going to pick up after the series ended, after Time's Arrow episodes? Not really sure. And so far, he is the only one that they have cast. So that is huge news. I do not really care where they go with it as far as will he be an admiral? Will it be Starfleet Academy-ish? Do not care. Patrick Stewart coming back as Jean-Luc Picard. Take all of my money, CBS All Access. You did not get me with Discovery because I there were other ways. But with this one, I will absolutely be watching this show from the first episode. So normally I go into the topics a little bit more in the geek news. But there's a lot to talk about on this episode. So I briefly went over those things. But just Captain Picard is is my life. Uh, here in the studio, I actually have a print that is done by an artist called Out Nerd Me. So check them out on Instagram. It is an awesome Star Trek The Next Generation print, and it has a bunch of words in it. I love it. Anyway, so uh, yeah, that is it for kind of the geek news. I wanted to keep it short and sweet because of the three movies that I will be uh, reviewing on this episode. So getting right into those, the first movie is Christopher Robin, uh, directed by Mark Foster, starring Ewan McGregor, Haley Atwell, Bronte Carmichael, Mark Gaddis, and almost every other British person that you know if you watch BBC. This is not the movie from just a few months ago called Goodbye, Christopher Robin. This is Disney's Christopher Robin, which takes a very unique twist on the whole Christopher Robin mythos, as you were, or if you were, as you were, 
whatever. Either one will work. This one combines some CGI, some puppetry, as Christopher Robin is now an adult, and he has lost his way, and he is kind of a depressed older man who may or may not be getting a divorce, and has a kid that he does not really spend time with, and then Pooh comes out of the Hundred Acre Wood to remind him of his humanity, in a sense. This movie was confusing to me. With Goodbye Christopher Robin from a few months ago, that one kind of made sense because that one was about his dad, uh, A.A. Milne, the author of all of the Christopher Robin stories. That was something unique because I really did not know that much about the author himself. So that movie kind of was a loose biopic, but it went over the major parts of his life. This one, they pretty much just had complete creative control to make this a movie that does not really have any basis in what really happened in Christopher Robin's life. Uh, One thing that was also interesting that I think will affect people more with this film than the previous Christopher Robin film is this one has that mix of CGI and puppetry Jim Cummings does the voice of Winnie the Pooh and Tigger, who he has been doing them forever. So this has the voices. This has the look of that nostalgia that reminds you of your childhood. So it will affect people, I think, differently than the last one. That being said, if they're going for the young crowd, the kid crowd, because it has the voices, there are scenes in this movie where... Christopher Robin is trying to balance a budget and trying to figure out if he has to fire people, which is kind of weird. A kid is really going to lose interest in those parts. If this is a movie for adults who grew up with Christopher Robin, who want to hear those voices again, and also want to see what adult life is is like, okay. Uh, It was just really confusing as far as who this movie was four. And all of the performances were solid. Mark Foster does a great job directing. Ewan McGregor is charming and affable as Christopher Robin. Uh, Haley Atwell as his wife and Bronte Carmichael as his wife and daughter. Like All of the individual pieces are good. Something about it, though, just does not feel cohesive. He pretty much has no chemistry with his daughter and wife in the few scenes that we kind of see them together when there are interactions with the CGI characters at one point he kind of like picks up Eeyore which by the way Eeyore was my favorite part of this movie uh Brad Garrett actually did the voice which is perfect there are times when he would pick up Eeyore or when Bronte would pick up Tigger or something and that that transition from the purely CGI character to then the more stuffed animal kind of thing that they are holding was just weird. You can tell that in parts, they're not really holding something. So it was just, it was odd and visually it was a little bit not disturbing, but it was, it was noticeable that these characters did not really have any weight and they were not really grounded in reality. But that being said, uh, Eeyore was the best. Tigger, all of the voices were there from your childhood. 
But one thing that this kind of reminded me, not even reminded me, just kind of it slapped me in the face after I was <laughs> finished with the movie. Apparently, I was not a Winnie the Pooh kid. Because with this film, even though the voices were familiar and nostalgic, I did not really care about them very much in this movie, which is weird. It, I mean, this is a movie that really should have, you know, latched onto your heartstrings and given you all of the feels. And it does in parts when you hear the voices. But in general, I was I was just kind of bored in this movie. My direct quote to the studio rep after our press screening was, it was one of the cutest and most boring films I have seen in a while. And that sucks. Uh, because again, all of the individual parts were good. It just, for me, it just did not come together. So yeah, that, that was kind of a, that was kind of it. Those are all my notes for, for this movie. The rating system for the About to Review podcast is a unique one. There are no stars, no letter grades. If this is your first time listening, first of all, thank you for listening and welcome to the show. But like the great Stan Lee, always talks about every comic book is somebody's first comic book. If this is your first time listening to the About to Review podcast, the rating system is as follows. There are three choices and three choices only. Those are good, bad, or ugly. Broken down simply, a good film is something that you would recommend to a friend. You came out of the theater happy and excited to kind of just tell people about the film. A bad film is something that you left the theater and you were like, okay, I do not regret that two hours I spent in a nice air-conditioned theater on a hot day, but it is not something you are clamoring to tell the world about. Ugly, pretty simply, avoid at all costs. So with Christopher Robin, this is, this is a tough one. I liked the technical aspects of it. I think the CGI and puppetry is phenomenal for the most part except for those times when it has to interact with the human characters and it just feels off a little bit. Uh, so my official rating for Christopher Robin, directed by uh, Mark Foster, starring Ewan McGregor, is going to be a bad. Uh, there are some local film critics and my colleagues who absolutely loved this film and they were crying during the whole screening because it, it kind of hit them in that in that soft spot. I guess I just... I thought I was a Winnie the Pooh kid. Apparently not, because it did not really affect me the way that it affected other people around my same age. So that was interesting. So Christopher Robin, unfortunately, gets a a bad. So maybe check it out on Netflix in a few months, but no need to rush out to the theater and, and see this one. The next film on the docket, and I realized what like right before I started recording, all three of the movies that I'm reviewing are based off of books. In some way or another. Christopher Robin obviously is based off of the A.A. Milne, Winnie the Pooh characters. Uh, and now the next one, The Darkest Minds. Now this is the first book in a series by author Alexandra Bracken. And now this is a, a young adult fiction movie similar to, you know, Hunger Games, uh, Maze Runner, those types of films. This one, this film, The Darkest Minds, Stars Amanda Stenberg, directed by Jennifer U. Nelson, and then a whole bunch of other kids. I mean, Mandy Moore, of course, in this. Uh, 
Gwendolyn Christie is in this uh, for a bit. And then, yeah, just a bunch of young actors. So the storyline with this is there is a a virus, a, a cataclysmic virus that is only affecting children or people under 18. And it is wiping out that population. The ones who survive are manifesting powers. And there's a spectrum, a color spectrum of powers and what they mean. Some of them are telekinetic. Some of them have kind of, I guess, not unlimited powers, but in the movie, we see a wide range from people who are all kind of in the same spectrum. So not quite sure. Uh, Some of them have electricity powers, but all of it boils down to these kids are imprisoned because the government and the world is scared of them. They're not sure what to do with this generation that is now developing powers or has developed powers and that could really disrupt things. So from from there, you know, there's kind of a, a prison break that we see and this is all in the trailers and of course it is based off of a book which you could also go and read. But through this all, Amanda uh, Amandla Stenberg, uh, who plays Ruby, kind of leads this ragtag group of kids as they try and find what they believe is this kind of oasis, this mecca that they are going to, led by the Slip Kid, this legendary kid who has escaped custody four different times and, you know, has this kind of commune where the kids can be safe. So that is their goal, is just to get there to get safe. Of course, along the way, hilarity ensues and romance ensues because this is a young adult fiction movie. Uh, Amandla, Amandla Stenberg is solid. Like, whenever you do one of these movies where you have a lot of young actors, it can kind of be a little bit dicey and it really depends on their performance to drive it forward, unlike something where you're already bought in to it, if it is a remake or something, with a newer property like this, and you have a bunch of young actors, they need to be solid, you know, to really help you empathize and to move forward with those characters. And all of them were. Uh, this movie also reaffirmed my belief, never trust guys who pop their collars, like in a polo or anything. Just, it is bad news. Just do not do it. Uh, that is not even really a mild spoiler because everything, unfortunately, everything in movies kind of in this genre is pretty telegraphed, you know, in, in Hunger Games or in Maze Runner, you know, a lot of these young adult fiction movies, you can kind of see what is coming, which is fine as long as it is done well. Uh, the visuals in this for being kind of a lower budget film I was impressed with the visuals and I think it is smart that, I mean, yes, there were some kind of gigantic crashes and explosions, but in general, a lot of it is just dialogue driven. A lot of it is character driven when they needed to have some big action set piece or explosion, they would do it, but it did not really take away from the movie. And that is a big strength. One of the things that I think is going to, harm this movie's success in the box office 
is the subject matter. Because currently, with everything that is going on, watching a movie about kids being taken away from their parents and literally put in cages that is very similar to the reality that we are seeing in certain places right now is harsh. And we see it early and often in the film, this kind of repeated theme of children being taken from their parents because they are different and because they're not really sure what is going on and what do we do with them. And it, it is rough. And that is not the movie's fault. I mean, obviously, this is based off of a book that came out in 2012. But it just I think that is going to be hard for some people watching this film. And I think it might be a, a detriment to the success of the film. But I mean, there are a few books in this series, so they could go some interesting places. This, of course, ends the movie ends easily, you know, being shuttled into a second movie. And you can do these relatively inexpensively. I just I wonder what the reaction is really going to be like when people see that imagery on screen. So that is going to be going to be tough. Um, I did like the visuals where all of the kids, when they're manifesting their powers or when they're using their powers, rather their eyes kind of glow of the color spectrum that they are in. So the smart kid, his eyes go green. The one who has electricity powers, hers go yellow Uh, Then there are orange and red. So I liked that. It was another one, another situation where I was like, okay, that was not a throwaway gimmick. This is something that you actually thought about. And every time they use this power, we're going to reinforce, you know, the color spectrum and and their power set. So I liked that. Um, Yeah, I, I think other than other than the imagery and the subject matter. This was a solid movie, if especially if you are in the age demographic for these type of films. I think this is really going to kind of be in your wheelhouse. So my official rating for The Darkest Minds, uh, once again directed by Jennifer U. Nelson, starring Amanda Stenberg, Mandy Moore, Bradley Whitford, Gwendolyn Christie, Patrick Gibson, and a whole bunch of other people. My official rating for this is good. I had not... I still have not read the books associated with the movie, but I still enjoyed the movie for what it is, even in the cheesy, schmaltzy moments of it, uh, with this kind of teen romance. But it was it was still it was cute. It still made sense. I liked the action. I liked what they were doing with the characters and the power sets. I thought that was just unique. So the Darkest Minds gets a good from me. Now the last movie. On the docket for this week's episode is Spike Lee's newest feature called Black Klansman, which is also based off of a book. And this has to do with Ron Stallworth, uh, the first African-American police officer in Colorado Springs, Colorado, uh, back in, I think, 71, I want to say. It also, I mean, (laughs) it is Spike Lee. So you know that Spike Lee can get any actors he he wants but this time he did not really get you know the huge names that are immediately recognizable uh, Alec Baldwin is in this I mean for for some clips and some scenes which are very disturbing especially how the film opens up uh Spike Lee has never been subtle 
uh, in his films, in any of them, in any of the messaging he wants to get across, he is going to get it across in your face the entire time. So the way this movie opens is exactly that. Uh, but starring as Ron Stallworth is John David Washington. And really his first big project. So that was that was impressive. Um, that you know you can do something like this with Spike Lee as one of your first things, but Spike Lee has always been good at finding those young creative minds to work with. He then started working with them multiple times in multiple different movies, but it is something that he likes to keep fresh. So John David Washington is in this. Uh, Topher Grace is also in this. Adam Driver is in this. Uh, Robert John Burke. So, and then uh, Damaris Lewis as well. And I'm trying to, where is, I'm pulling up the cast list right now because I feel like there's somebody else that I wanted to mention. Uh, da, 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 da. Yes, Laura Harrier. So she was most recently in Spider-Man Homecoming as Liz. Uh, she is in this and she kind of plays the the love interest, uh, the pseudo Angela Davis character in this film. So the the crux of this film is Ron Stallworth wants to basically make the public realize, make the police realize that the KKK needs to be stopped. The KKK needs to be a much bigger, people need to realize it is a much bigger threat than what they are assuming it is of just, you know, this kind of old boys club where they just hang out and say racist stuff, but oh, they are fine. They are harmless. No, no, they really are not. Uh, and he wants to, to show people that. So his scheme is he wants to infiltrate the KKK and does that by having Adam Driver play him. So he does all of the, John David Washington's character, Ron, does all of the phone calls and kind of those first introductions. And then Adam Driver's character, Flip Zimmerman, is the one who actually portrays Ron Stallworth at the actual clan meetings and meeting everybody. It is an interesting kind of twist on things. Uh, and again, not very subtle at all. Similar to a movie like Sorry to Bother You, where you have to kind of be able to play multiple multiple angles to get what you are wanting. So, uh, yeah, so John David Washington, of course, is making the calls. At one point, he's even talking to David Duke on the phone, played by Topher Grace. Uh, it just, a lot of this movie is unnerving. And it is unnerving, especially the way it opens, uh, especially for those of us who have experienced some of the things that happen in this movie, but also unnerving because people like to think that it was forever ago, that civil rights was an issue and it was forever ago, that the KKK was out there. Spoiler alert, no, it, it really was not. You know, this movie takes place in the 70s when things were, you know, kind of almost at their worst with certain aspects of this, seeing it right up front is going to be tough for people. Similar to The Darkest Minds, but in very different ways because it forces you, Spike Lee forces you to take a look back and be like, not only was this happening then, 
But here are some similarities to how it is happening now. So that is definitely uh, bold. But unfortunately with this movie, um, with the characters, if you're doing a biopic like this, especially about a topic like this, to me, as non-subtle as Spike Lee is, I feel like it really could have driven the point home had he shown some real pictures. Because that, that is the thing. This story, this is based off of a true story. What you see in the opening of the movie, it says, based off of some, you know, for real, for real stuff. Great. A lot of people going into this movie are not going to realize that this actually happened. This is based off of a book. And there's a missed opportunity, I think, there to show some of the real people involved to kind of go more into their story. Instead, you get these small context clues of what was happening at the time without the actual people involved, except for David Duke. He kind of gets a, a sequence at the end of the movie that is just a gut punch, uh, an absolute gut punch, because you realize oh, this movie that I have been watching where Topher Grace is playing him and he is silly and whatever. No, this man is evil and he is still around and still spewing this just hateful rhetoric. Give us that, but also give us, you know, the other side and show us Ron Stallworth or Flip Zimmerman or the people who are involved on the other side because then it truly feels grounded as opposed to leaving the theater just being like, okay, now I feel horrible because I just watched a movie based on a time where this was going on and here is the guy that was in the movie, the bad guy, David Duke, still here, still talking about stuff. So that was that was an odd juxtaposition and an interesting choice that Spike Lee decided to go with. I just want more context in any biopic. I want there to be some pictures and video of the real people involved to kind of ground it back in reality. Like, yes, this happened. Here it is. Uh, but yeah, it is, it is sensationalist. It is, it is out there. It is not subtle at all in the things it is trying to say. That being said, when this movie is funny, it is really funny. John David Washington crushes it. Uh, as Ron Stallworth, I was really impressed with him, and I'm really interested interested to see kind of what his next projects are. Adam Driver is is always solid, uh, and kind of the I like to say I like I like the ragtag uh, kind of grouping, but the ragtag group of other police officers that they're working with all feel fleshed out, all feel real, and I like that. It had an authenticity about it where it was not just, okay, random character A and B and C, go. They all felt like true co-workers. So, yeah, this one, I mean, again, it is it is tough because it is not very easy to spoil, quote-unquote, because it is kind of based off a true story. But at the same time, there is a lot of the movie that you just, people need to see for themselves and judge it for themselves and kind of process it themselves. But... Yeah, this is gonna be this is gonna be harsh for for a lot of people. If you are a Spike Lee fan, this is arguably his best movie in about fifteen years. This is a very very solid uh, movie. If you 
are a Spike Lee fan and you are listening to this episode, if you go back to an episode I did in February, uh, where we broke down a bunch of Spike Lee's films and talked about our favorites, that was with Chris Lamberth of the Mundane Festival podcast. So yeah, this this one, I mean, Spike Lee, it always sounds cliche, but Spike Lee is back, you know, but he is. This is a really solid movie that does not have the kind of ridiculousness of some of his other movies like, you know, Chirac. And I get the message that he is going for in all of his films. The message is very apparent. The delivery mechanic for that message is really what shapes it. So my official rating for Black Klansman starring John David Washington and Adam Driver, uh, Laura Harrier, and a whole bunch of other people directed by Spike Lee also gets a good. Really enjoy this movie. But I, the one thing is that in all of his kind of beat you over the head, look at what is going on then and look at what is going on now. I just feel like it missed opportunity to really kind of tell us about the real heroes of the story. So other than that, it was solid. So it gets good. Uh, so that actually uh, wraps it up for the reviews for this episode. Uh, Dr. Andy is going to be here in just a little bit. Uh, so what I will do is kind of lead into that next section, which again is all about the Seattle 48 hour film project. And then the interviews with Kirk and Derek uh, before uh, I go so that I do not forget at the end. Uh, definitely. Thank you for everybody who voted for the people's choice international podcast award. I will keep you updated as to when the next set is. And then the Renton city comic con geek awards are still open for voting right now. So click the link in the description below and go to that. So yeah, thank you for listening. If this is your first time listening, welcome to the show. I hope you enjoy our conversation about the Seattle 48 hour film project to all of the filmmakers who are listening. Congratulations for doing your film. And yeah, so up next is our conversation, my conversation with Dr. Andy about the Seattle 48 hour film project. We are now in the fab not fabled. I don't know why that was the first word that came to my mind. Uh, we are now in the forty. I am a mess. Forty fifth president of the United States of America. I do not believe we have one. Uh, the forty eight hour film project. Oh, it's uh, a mouthful. It is. It is. So, Doctor Andy is now in studio. Welcome Woo. back. Thank you. I'm a little late, but you know, it happens. It happens. Uh, so we're just going to jump right into uh, the Seattle 48-Hour Film Project, which the About to, Re- About to Review podcast, you know, this thing that I do that I have done like 120 episodes on that I... Oh, it has a name? Yeah, I know, right? Um, I, I you were there before the, it was the, a, the podcast. a thing. Yeah. Wow. Uh, but yeah, I have been a proud sponsor of not just a vocal sponsor, uh, financial sponsor. I love helping filmmakers and just diverse communities you know, get a platform, have a voice. So I love supporting these types of film festivals. If you are listening to this and you have a film festival uh, in your neck of the woods that you are wanting some more exposure for or networking, definitely hit me up. But this episode is all about the Seattle 48-hour film project. Ooh, Seattle. Yes. So Andy, how about you go over just kind of the general things that the Seattle 48-hour film project is? Well, I'm going to say, first of all, 
This is, and, and I know we say it every year, but this is absolutely insane. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the the, the, art, the concept of creating a film from scratch, you know, you, you, you maybe you have some ideas, but you cannot put any ideas on paper, essentially, uh, and, and go from zero to film hero in 48 wow. hours wow so, oh wait hold on <laughs> zero to did you take that from Can, the, no no that's my copyright that's zero my copyright. To, mm. yeah I, I trademark in fact so anyway so the basic concept <laughs> is um a bunch of teams small teams local teams some maybe have some professionals a lot mm -hmm. of them are amateurs yeah uh they um come together maybe in a room maybe not who knows it's a secret mm -hmm. um and are given a, a prop a line and the name of a character and a genre. Mm -hmm. And then they are told to go and make a movie from scratch. Mm -hmm. So they have to create a screenplay, a story, yep. a screenplay. <laughs> they have to have actors who fit those roles. They have to have crew that will shoot and get sound and do lighting and cinematography and direct and then once all the footage is shot in oh, how many hours i don't know <laughs> mm -hmm. then they have to go into post production in editing and uh, sound and mm -hmm. and getting all these things to come together and maybe do uh, some voices adr afterwards <laughs> because the sound was terrible when they shot it outside so they have to go in a room and look at how the mouths move on the film of what they have shot and put words to it <laughs> in a studio somehow and make it sound like it's outside but you can hear it as opposed mm -hmm. to in a studio where it sounds completely unnatural and then you have to rush that completed thing with all its titles and everything to the project to the drop-off location to the drop-off location mm -hmm. within 48 <laughs> hours it did i say it was insane this is the, yes. whole, the whole concept is insane and the fact that any team ever has a film together in 48 hours is amazing mm -hmm. and the fact that you can have what i consider to be cinema quality films yeah it, it done in 48 hours is absolutely absolutely super fantastic amazingly fabulous mm -hmm. yeah that was a lot I, of adjectives there, there was it was a few i, I could have had more mm -hmm. but I, I guess i also forgot to mention that the film's I mean, what makes this maybe makes this doable is that we're not talking about a feature-length movie nope. here. We're talking about six minutes. Under seven minutes, including a minute of credits. Type so, like, and one thing that Dr. Andy and I have talked about before in the years that we have been covering this, uh, <laughs> he just totally <laughs> sprayed himself with his own water. That's that was awesome. True. Uh, is some of the teams, and I did not see any this year, but in years past, they do a clever way of using that minute of credits as like a little bit more of a teaser or they will put in like a blooper or an extra scene. Cause as mm -hmm. long as the credits are rolling, you can still be using that last minute. That can minute. get you a laugh that might take you over the yep. edge. Cause that is the thing is when you see these in the theater with all of the teams and the friends and the family, you know, they clap for the film and then they just kind of just wait. Cause the team knows if they have something else, if they give you even like 30 seconds in the tray or in the title, in the credits, <laughs> it is late. Uh, in the credits, then again, the audience gets another chance to see that. So, yeah, it, it is clever. I did not see it this year, but that is a good trick mm -hmm. for those people who are listening to this yeah. who maybe want so to do something. 2019 teams. Yeah. Take note. We ha we'll have some other great uh, uh, thoughts for you. Absolutely. 
Uh, so yeah, and some numbers from this year for the 2018 group. So there were 76 teams that registered Insane. for this madness. Who, again, even if Dr. Andy and I wanted to make a film and we were like, cool, wherever you can put together your team when you register, you have to. But then everything else, you have to be, it has to be original in that 48 hours. So that is crazy. So 76 teams of crazy people decided to do this, of which 70 turned in films. It happens every year. Uh, you either miss the cutoff or you are disqualified for some other reasons. Maybe it is a little bit too long. But if you make a film, and this is something unique to the Seattle 48 Hour Film Project, if you pay your fee, you make your film, and you turn it in, it will be screened. So even if it was disqualified and you are not eligible for the awards that they give out, it will still be shown. It will still be seen. That, I think, is awesome. Because then it you have that creative outlet of doing a thing and knowing that people are going to watch it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, 76 teams, 70 turned in films. This is only the, this is the second highest year. The most was in 2015, and there were 84 teams. <laughs> so crazy. I just I find it amazing. This is such a unique creative pursuit and outlet for this. So yeah, uh, now that we kind of went over the, the numbers, uh, before we get into our favorites, wanted to give a huge, huge props to Chris Flink and Kirk Nordenstrom, the city producer and co-city producer of the Seattle 48 Hour Film Project. The two of them are incredible. And I think especially now that their powers have combined Mm. uh, this year, that has really attributed to the success and to the amount of teams that they got this year. So Chris was brought on last year for the Seattle 48 Hour Horror Film Project, which is right on the corner uh, in October. So she came on last year and now has been really involved in this group. So big props to them. Uh, Now, the rules for this year. So the character that you had to include was Noah or Noah, Ruben, Nora. Like, they spelled it the same. And I was like, Mm -hmm. okay, sure. Just Noah, Ruben, and their profession is a baker. So regardless of how you use that, you have to have a character named Noah, Ruben, and they have to to be a baker. The prop this year was Puzzle. Now, we'll get into this a little bit later, but there were a couple teams that did interesting things and it was not the kind of standard jigsaw puzzle so that was the prop nobody said it had to be a jigsaw puzzle. exactly yeah just it said puzzle and the line of dialogue was oh come on it's only five, five bucks. bucks so that those three things and your genre go <laughs> you have 48 hours and we will see you then and you can turn in your film so quickly to mention about the genre. The genre is fantastic. Is a fantastic tool because mm-hmm. on the one hand, it means it keeps your teams honest. Yeah. It means that uh, you can't com- you know, completely create a movie ahead of time and then just tweak it a little bit. Right. Because if you are given the genre of family film, guess what? That's going to be completely different from silent film. Mm-hmm. Or film, film noir, or sports film, noir. film. Yeah. So, I mean, sort of, sure, you can have some wild ideas for a, a variety of different things, but you, it, it really is very difficult to, to have something beyond the very basics mm-hmm. prepared ahead of time. Yeah. So, uh, all right. As we have done in several of these short film festival uh, episodes, whether it was the 50-hour slam, which was the last episode that Dr. Andy was on a couple months ago, film 
festival in Spokane, Washington, and which is Eastern Washington, for those of you nationwide listeners who have no idea what else is in Washington other than Seattle. Washington State, not Washington, D.C. It's not Eastern that is, Washington, That is very DC. true. Yeah. Have you noticed that pretty much when you travel like overseas, when you say that you live in Washington, they're like, oh, and they immediately think D.C. Of course. like... Yeah, okay, yeah. come on But now. everybody thinks I'm Australian as well. So That is true. Even when you go back to England, <laughs> which is hilarious. <laughs> that is really weird. Uh, I know. And, I, and let's, let's pass over that. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So, yeah, we cover a bunch of these film festivals. So, what we will do is we each have a top three favorite uh, films of, our, of the festival mm-hmm. or of this, the film project, as it were. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then some honorable mentions. Every time we do this... Dr. Andy is then like, here are my honorable mentions. Here are my top three. Here are 17 other films that I want to talk about. So no, that, uh, that is so inaccurate. You go back mm. and listen to those episodes because I am as <laughs> succinct today as uh-huh. I was back then. Lies. I, you go to whichever episode it was. I don't remember what episode yeah. it was. But no, <laughs> I only, uh, seriously, I only have two honorable mentions. Okay. Plus my top three. Mm-hmm. And I, mm-hmm. I, I, you know what? I'm... I'm going to be so surprised if our top three aren't the same. Not necessarily in the same order, but if your mm. top three is not the same as my top three, you are wrong. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Bold statement. <laughs> Bold stance. Bold but true. Um, so what we will do is we will go over some, the honorable mentions first, because last time we had this discussion on the last episode, and I was like, how about we do our top three? But no, honorable mentions, you get talked about right up front. So we will talk about the team name and the name of the film and kind of things that we, we liked about it. So you said you have two? Yes. I have four. Oh, um, talk about verbal <laughs> diarrhea. So how about you go with your first one and then I will talk about two of mine. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. It's, it's, it's Yeah, fine. Okay. Okay, so uh, my first honorable mention is the movie Pie Crime in I don't know how this is pronounced because it was a silent movie. Let's call it Buttesville. Oh, Boatsville? Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it could be either. It's B-E-A-U-T-S-V-I-L-L-E. That's your spelling lesson for today, John. Mm, um, <laughs> so it could be Buttesville, Boatsville, or um, you guys, the Americans say weird things. So it could be Buttsville. Buttsville. <laughs> <laughs> and it's by a team uh, name. Again, who knows how you pronounce this properly, but I'm guessing it's Nornia. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a, an acronym for something. Who the heck knows? Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, this was a film which I I don't know the team. I I mean, sort of, I, I recognize at least one person from, mm-hmm. from a previous year, uh, but I think they are a youth team or a teen team. Mm-hmm. So uh, props to them, again, for putting together a pretty fantastic little film. Yeah. Uh, silent film. That was their genre. Mm-hmm. And uh, th- it was, as many silent films are, I guess it, it was... It was it silent. Had, it, <laughs> well, it wasn't actually silent, <laughs> no, because there was a piano, there was there was mm. musical background, and I think that's okay. Like the, the movies when film. you were a kid. Uh, there were no movies when I was yeah, a kid, John, fair. you know that. Um, so the basic idea is that um, there's a, a, a baking competition, and the perennial runner-up is suspicious about the winner and how possibly this winner maybe cheats. Mm. And so um, she sort of like uh, gets a a private investigator to come along with her to find out what the cheat is. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's, it's cleverly done. It's, 
it's quite amusing. They they got their genre, they got their puzzle, they got their line. The mm-hmm. line they they was delivered in in quite cleverly, and um, yeah, it, it it was for for a bunch of teens. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not those kids. It was it was it was very <laughs> said, said with love. <laughs> said with love. Absolutely. Um yeah, it it was done very cleverly and I I particularly want to um put a, uh, some props out to um I didn't write down the name of the, the person, but the person the the person who played the private investigator um they 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 had a very a good comedic uh role uh, as they came to the door you know, in you know, serially, right to distract the the uh, uh, prize-winning baker time after time after time. You know, like like immediately with mm-hmm. a different disguise on each time. It was done quite cleverly, and it's not something. I mean, maybe it's been in another film, but I don't remember seeing it in another film. So it was a clever little device, um, which I thought was done very very well on their part. One, I think it was a slip, um, in the. Um, at, towards the end of the film, mm-hmm. the the runner-up pie maker delves into a pie of the uh, prize-winning baker, and on the you know the unbroken pie is uncooked. But hmm. when the runner-up uh, pie maker delves into it, it's baked. So in hmm. split seconds, somehow it's gone from unbaked pie to <laughs> they a had a really good convection pie. oven. <laughs> so, so I think uh, one small slip in continuity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Again, now, and that is the thing is even with the films that that we'll talk about and all these things, we get it. They look they like, couldn't wait an hour for a pie to bake. Right, this is a forty eight exactly. hour film festival. <laughs> they had to make that cut right away. <laughs> right away. So, um, but yeah, I mean for for. It, it, I, I thought it was really quite amusing and it thoroughly uh, deserved. It got uh, did, it didn't it win um, one prize. Yeah, emerging. The... I think emerging artists. Okay. Yeah. So emerging generation, something like that. And that was the same team. So Bootsy Heffernan was the detective. They okay. did one last year. That was it the Cleanly Cleaners. Oh yeah. Yeah, okay. it was them. Yeah. Loved that one uh, from last year, and then exactly. the, they did one for the horror film project also so like that is the thing is especially i mean dr andy and i have been going to these for you have been actually going to these for longer but this is the third year that i think think we we have done an episode on it so you start to see some of the same people which is awesome and you also see new people so foreshadowing uh, yes (laughs) so yeah so definitely so great team uh they are consistent they do almost all of these and yeah that it is a good Good group. Yeah. So. Give me give me two of yours, John. I will. Two honorable mentions. Uh, so the first one, uh, I had them on my podcast for the horror film project. I always give them props. Uh, the team is The Flames. They are the youngest team to ever compete in the Seattle 48-hour film project. Uh, right now, I mean, they're probably around ages like maybe 9 to 12. I'm trying to think what ages they were last year when they were on, on the show. They're one year older. I think so. So whatever they were. Uh, so yeah, so it is this group of kids, uh, three kids. Their movie this year was uh, Farmhouse Mystery. Mm-hmm. Super cute and clever. Uh, I personally, I think that their horror uh, film that they did was the best one that I have seen so far. Of the three that I have seen them do. Mm-hmm. It was just really clever. And they actually, it fit the genre a lot better. This one, I mean, again, it was tough. Like their genre... Is mystery and it was cute. They were kind of going around 
their house and they have to feed the chickens and puzzle pieces go missing. They're in the chicken coop. Did the cat take them? It was just cute. It was a really cute movie, but I always want to give them props and them a shout out because these are young filmmakers who have such a passion for it. Uh, And this year for this film, rather, uh, they did not do any pickups for film Mm. in the, I think it was the horror film project or the movie they did beforehand. There were definitely a couple of shots where it suddenly switched to a vertical iPhone video (laughs) because they forgot to do a scene, (laughs) which I mean, again, you know, yeah, it got a good laugh and everybody just kind of understood because it was like, okay, like it is so very obvious, but just props to those kids. So that was my first honorable mention. My second one uh, is another group that we see at all of these uh, friends of friends of the show, friends of mine. Uh, the team is Mighty Tripod, <gasps> and you didn't. And the film is Borislav. Wow, hilarious film! And again, this is a group that like so Lowell, Angela, like they they work together all the time. Uh, Angela DeMarco, of course, with uh, her husband, David, run the Mighty Tripod Studios where they do acting classes. So this one was just, it was really solid. Uh, The only thing that, I mean, again, it is not a knock on it. Uh, There is a lot of cursing in this movie, which all of these films are not rated, obviously. But when you have kind of this all ages event, to me, it was just kind of, it was a little bit jarring uh, with how much there was. But that is just me. Maybe I'm just old. I think you're just old. Uh, <laughs> did you Did you watch the Florida Project? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The, it was also the yeah. Kids were swearing like true sailors. Uh, but I know that like for the flames uh, at the horror event, so like the mom kind of like took them out of the theater during a couple of the screenings, <laughs> uh, during a couple of the films because of that. But you know their, their the, own film. No, <laughs> that would just be awkward. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we definitely don't need to see this. But yeah, Boroslav, uh, basically. Angela DeMarco's character gets into some stuff with uh, a woman and actually a friend of yours. Um, mm, they were Darlene. With, yeah, Darlene. And turns out she was a big drug dealer and she has been hiding stuff in the baked goods. So she calls her friend, who is an actor, to kind of come in and save the day. Uh, and he crushed it. He was super funny. So, yeah, I really liked uh, Boroslav by Team Mighty Tripod. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, those are two of my honorable mentions. Interesting. Yeah. Go ahead with one of yours. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, my other honorable mention is to the team called Lightform Mm. and their film Family Matters. Yeah. I have to give them special props because they are one of the teams which got um, possibly one of the hardest genres to deal with. With, which is the family film. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. What does, what can you do with that genre? It sucks. It sucks. And it's so, it's, it's so unfair because it should only be given to the, the most professional, most proficient teams because yeah. maybe they can do something from it. You, it, it is, it is, I definitely would agree that that is one of, like, because with silent film, you can do clever stuff mm-hmm. and you, it plays into, this type of thing pretty easy because you do not need to do any ADR. You can just be a, a, a physical presence that is funny right. and it works. Right. Family film. Oof. Oh my gosh. I mean, I, I've seen a few which with that genre and so many of them 
I'm not going to name any names, but <laughs> right. have not been in my top half. Mm-hmm. <laughs> let's put it. Let's put it nicely, because and 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 it's not their fault. It's a really tough yeah. genre. So, um, yeah, this one was 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 far from perfect, but because they had such a, a tough one, I I I, I just liked what they what they did with it essentially they mm-hmm. made they turned it into something quite clever um there's a, a a sick grandfather being looked after by his uh his his granddaughter and there's kind of like this mysterious character who it's not quite clear to me i probably need to watch it again what mm-hmm. this what this character is and 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 there's no real spoilers in this because <laughs> it's like it is a six-minute film. <laughs> this is a six-minute film, and and not many people are going to get to see these mm-hmm. unless you go online to watch them, which that I, is true. I suggest you do. Yeah. Um. But here's the spoilers. So so um. I note. I mean, the, what the story was 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 quite clever, and the ending was one of those ones which. You know, I mean, the, these kind of films sometimes have surprise endings, and this mm-hmm. this did this had a, a, a somewhat surprise ending, which was was quite clever and i was marking uh, through when i was i was when i was looking through it, i was thinking, marking that yeah th- there's there's really good film editing in this mm-hmm. and um the all the lighting was great and the cinematography was was spot on again you do cinematography in a film like Mad Max or, right. you know, Star Wars or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Dunkirk, you, you, you've got subject matter where uh, a cinematographer can go crazy and, mm-hmm. and and blind you with amazingness. You can't do that with a family no. film. So, which is why you have to look at the subtleties, which is why I thought, you know, subtly, this was just really well put together film. So, Big props to uh, the director and the cinematographer. And so when I, I and I looked at these before I looked at any of the, uh, we're allowed to talk prizes. Are we allowed to talk prizes? Yes. Oh, good. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> when I looked at this, I, I mean, I, like I said, I noted um, good cinematography, great cinematography, and I'm, I'm happy to note that it was a joint winner of the cinematography. Mm-hmm. So whoever judged that, you, you are absolutely right in my opinion. So, um, which, as we have established is the only opinion that matters. <laughs> that matters. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, that's my second honorable mention. Uh, okay. Maybe do you have two more? Yes, I do. So I'll just sit back for a uh, few minutes. Then. <laughs> the first one or the next one, the third one, the, the first yeah, next third done, one. You've done two. Please don't go through anymore. Uh, Strike Nine, The Spy Who Spied Me by Film Vandals. Super funny. Uh, this is another one where, as we've talked about in previous episodes on talking about these film competitions... With comedy, and the, the genre was spy film, but with comedy, generally, comedy wins out. Because it gets the audience going, it gets them loose and relaxed, and it just, it kind of, it just, it makes sense. So this one, super funny. Uh, speaking of the cinematography, this one, I mean, it was simply shot, but there's fun stuff going on in the background, mm. where, you know, this guy, similar to uh, Nornier, where they're private eye and he's trying to find out some information uh, and at one point he is like am i a bad spy <laughs> really clever and then there's a twist at the end Whoa. of this six minute film and anytime you could do a clever twist on these types of things even in a six minute film i liked it uh and like you mentioned before some of these teams and i will put the honorable mentions and our top three in the show notes in the description 
So, and you can just find them on Facebook. A lot of the teams have Facebook pages and they will either put up their film on their Facebook page or on their YouTube channel. So, yeah, but Strike Nine, The Spy Who Spied Me, it was just fun. It was just clever and fun. And then the last one, which I cannot even read my own oh handwriting. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what was the... That is the thing, is when you write in the, in the dark... Oh, well, the film... Uh, where was? Why was it not on here? Oh, oh, there we go. Nope, that is the wrong one. So the film is you called... You don't know what... Oh, my God. No. This is so amateur. The, the film is called Cornhole. Uh, and the team, that was what I was looking for, because I knew the film name. Uh, I'm going to tell you the team right now. <laughs> Any I'm shaking my head. You minute. See this the team is House this. Recipe. How did I... My writing looks like House People. <laughs> but again, it, it happens when you write in the dark. So, uh, Cornhole. The genre was sports or sports film. Any kind of like fake mockumentary like they did last year with the game of Coop, which is still one of my favorite 48 hour film project films total. And all of the years that I've been doing this and all of the different categories, the game of Coop is still one of my favorites. Give me a sports movie that people are just being silly. I'm in for it. So this one, there's a, cornhole tournament type thing people are in all sorts of different costumes sports themed costumes you have a coach in one ear a rival coach i think question mark in the other ear uh funny clever simple editing which again is smart is something you know we're trying to do too many bunch of cuts uh but yeah really clever i laughed so cornhole by house recipe hmm. so there you go those were our honorable mentions before we get into our top three one thing i do want to say with all of the film festivals that we do that we cover like this adr voices mm-hmm. <laughs> filming outside presents a lot of different challenges whether it is lighting but especially when it comes to voiceover or just to recording sound. voices yeah to just sound design This year, this crop of films, I think, did an excellent job compared to years past and also other film uh, festivals. It was noticeable, of course, when they are outside and there's this crystal clear audio, (laughs) you know, laid on top of it. Sounding like you're in a room somewhere. Strange. But it, I was just, I was impressed. That is something that we talk about almost every year or every time we do one of these, because sometimes it is just jarring. Mm -hmm. Uh, And sometimes they try... Because they only have 48 hours, they, they're like, we'll just get the mic closer or we'll try and do this and maybe it will not be a, that bad. It, it can be rough. And that just yeah. comes from filming outside. Yeah. I mean, and, and it's so obvious. It's one of those things that sort of, you know, yeah, if you're making a film, have a sound person who mm-hmm. knows about sound and can get your best sound first time around so you don't even have to do ADR if you can possibly avoid it. Yeah, it. if you can, if you can get a nice boom operator... Or just somebody who is good with it, that helps because at least then you have, if you do need to do some extra work, voiceover work, you have the audio already done in a as clear as it can be, and you can just do it again. So yeah, I was impressed with uh, the ADR stuff this year. So with our top three, hmm, how about, well, I have one other. Oh, no. 
I have one other film, but we'll talk about it after we do our top three. Because <laughs> I just, I have to talk about it. <laughs> um, You're going to be nice, right? I have to talk about it. So, uh, do you want to start with your uh, your number three film? Sure, why not? All right, go for it. Uh, and, okay, so I'm going to say that I am a little bit sad and sorry mm. that I, this has to be in third place because I watch these out of order. Mm-hmm. And this was one of the last ones I actually watched because I was th- saving it thinking this is probably going to be my number one. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't. It's number three. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. And that's because it is Mighty Tripods Borislav. Wow. Okay. Yeah, these guys, as John may have mentioned in his section, I wasn't really paying attention. Fair enough. Uh, <laughs> not only does Dr. Andy not listen to the episodes he is on, he rarely listens even when he is in studio during an episode. <laughs> Sometimes I have to be nudged. Yeah. Nudged. It's your turn, Andy. Pray okay. continue. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, they are a super talented team um, and definitely always in the running for top prize, mm-hmm. best actors, best ensemble, best editing, best mm-hmm. lighting, best cinematography, best yeah. everything. They know what they're doing. They, for re- sure. they really, really do. So, yeah, I, I just, uh, like you, John, I didn't think this was their top production. And, and, and folks, if anybody from Mighty Tribe Pod is listening. They are. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. Can I, I just say, I love you guys. I do love you guys. I especially love Darlene. Um, but this was not, this was not your, the best movie because I, this, this, the script just didn't come together okay. for me. And it wasn't. I, I didn't feel it was uniformly brilli- brilliantly acted, which is what I have come to expect with um, Mighty Tripod. Um, Angela was fantastic and, mm-hmm. and Darlene was, was fantastic. Those two were completely solid. Um, and, and certainly good enough to be in the top three mm-hmm. and... You know, so a, a little tweak somewhere could have easily have taken it in because you know, again, the filming, cinematography, mm-hmm. sound, editing, everything else was totally sound as you Every, would that, come to expect. Exactly, that is one of the things with a lot of these teams that we see year after year. You know, like going into it, you're like, oh, this is a mighty tripod film. I know the the voiceover is going to be great. I know the cinematography, and so yeah, just. But it does take that little bit. Then you almost have to have a more critical eye or ear to be like, okay, I know this is going to be solid, but let me kind of dig into it a little bit. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, this is still third out yeah. of 76 entries. That's still pretty darn <laughs> that, good. That is pretty I, solid. I just want them to know. I, yeah, no disrespect. I'm, the only reason why I would say anything negative about any of the films is because I figure that they can they can take it. And if, Fair. What, are they, what are they? I mean, what do I know? What are they going to do about it? Find you I never said at that. your address. I never at five one four. As they're just, <laughs> Damien puts in the sound effect to bleep that out. All right, what's your third one anyway? Okay, so my number three uh, is by the team Black Door Collective, and it is called The Final Piece. Mm. This one I really liked, and again, this was something where right off the bat, this is another little tip. We we said we would have more. Here's another one for you. With your line of dialogue, try not to overthink it. This film, the final piece, has it in the first 30 seconds. Mm. <laughs> There's a garage sale. A woman is looking at a puzzle box. The woman selling the puzzle just says, oh, it's only five bucks. And they haggle a little bit. Just get it out of the way. Mm-hmm. 
And still, I mean, have it make sense, but that is one less thing you have to worry about if in the beginning of your film, you have that in there. So she buys this puzzle, and it is an all-white puzzle. You know, so challenging, obviously. But as she gets all closer... All the shapes are exactly the same. <laughs> right. so no, actually, that's not true. Listen, it's actually sorry. just squares, which is weird. <laughs> okay. She just bought a thing of Post-it notes and for $5, so it was a puzzle. Um, as she gets closer to finishing the puzzle, you see these flashbacks of the other people who finished the puzzle. And as soon as they put on their last piece, their nose starts bleeding... You know, the puzzle is essentially it cursed. It to me when I do a puzzle, too. I mean, it gets stressful, right? Yeah. With that last piece. Yeah. Uh, so they die. So this cursed puzzle, as soon as they finish, they die. So as uh, Noah is finishing it, or Nora is finishing it, you start seeing these ghosts from the previous flashbacks. Mm-hmm. The way they kind of weave that into the storyline, it, it was solid. It made sense. She goes back to the table where she was working on the puzzle. The guy from the flashback we just saw is sitting at the table so that was just it was clever i liked the way that they kind of built on the theme because mm-hmm. like a lot of these get your line of dialogue out out of the way in the beginning but focus on the other things if you really dive into the challenges that is where you're going to find those creative spaces that you might not have known about before mm-hmm. so this it kept building on the puzzle it more and more stuff kept happening right and that was impressive. Yeah, I mean, props really to Black Door for making uh, the puzzle, which is the prop that you mm-hmm. had to have in your movie, as integral to the movie yep. as they did. I mean, th- again, this is a, a gigantic sign that they started from scratch and they really paid attention to the rules of the competition. And so no surprise that they uh, won the prize for the best use of the prop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like we talked about before, other teams would use like a Rubik's cube, you know, or things like that. So again, expand, expand your mindset a little bit. When you get that prop, think of other ways you can use it. Other film competitions that we've talked about, a prop was like a safety pin or something like that, as opposed to just showing it once, try and find other ways to yeah, work what, it in. <laughs> what is, I mean, it's more than something that's just in the background that you have to quickly pan over because mm-hmm. you have to put it in there. Right. Make it part of the story. And and again, Black Door Collective did a fantastic job in making this central, making mm-hmm. the prop is central to their movie. Yeah. So I just, I really liked that because that means that they took the time to really think about it. So yeah, my number three is the final piece by Black Door Collective. Your number two. Ooh, okay. Um, this was this was tough mm-hmm. um, because again, I I I was umming and ahhing about uh, Mighty Tripods and their one for the second spot, but I ended up with Red Sheds film Cheap Asic Park. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, and this is okay. You know how we mentioned that about you have some teams which are essentially a bunch of pros who are coming together and and making a fantastic, Mm -hmm. you know, high quality, high production value kind of thing. Okay. I don't know who is involved with Red Shed, but I'm... Their production values are not in 48 hours, top notch, but... Mm -hmm. If we just put that aside for one moment, they put together a really amusing, clever, well put together mm-hmm. uh, movie with a great storyline, um, some 
mostly really good acting. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> and it was it was funny. It was yeah. funny. So basically, the the story, uh, the, the 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 genre was time travel, mm-hmm. which is not an easy one to do nope. when you have, let's say, almost no budget or no budget at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the 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 general conceit of this film was that uh, they have found the the link between uh, early hominids mm-hmm. and modern man, the missing link era. It doesn't make sense scientifically, but Mm-mm. it is <laughs> this this period is the is between the I think the, the Jurassic and the Triassic. It's the cheap Jurassic, and the reason why <laughs> we know nothing about this period is because everything was so cheap mm-hmm. ass. So it all kind of like broke or melted mm-hmm. or faded away. So there and um, there have up to this point have been no uh, n- n- no relics or fossils mm-hmm. from this age. But somehow they've managed to recreate the cheap assic uh, <laughs> era in an incredibly cheap ass mm-hmm. way. Someone's backyard essentially yep. is 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 a backyard version of Jurassic Park uh, with tiny little dinosaurs, tiny little rubber dinosaurs, you know, being held by uh, you know people's hands off camera. Mm-hmm. Uh, fighting and paper thing, uh, paper, paper dactyls <laughs> swooping in and grabbing, and it's it's there's there is some tech uh, tech stuff uh, FX mm-hmm. being used in yeah. this, um, so that you know they spend a little bit of time on that. Um, it far from perfect, but you know what? It it was all just great fun to mm-hmm. watch. So that was my number two. Nice. Uh, my number two and my number one. Switch what? places. Oh, yeah. When? Uh, right now? before we started recording. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So this is one. So my number two, and again, this is this is tough. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, the film was Chateau de Solitaire, hmm. uh, or Solitaire, 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 oui. uh, by Team Narwhal. Mm-hmm. This one was really interesting. I was surprised that this one. Did not get any nods for ensemble, so this is basically an an adult uh, orphanage, essentially. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that these older folks are running. They're the cast of characters. It reminded me of uh, the line from the movie The Craft because I'm old, and that movie was awesome in the '90s. Mm. When they get off the bus, and the bus driver says, "Hey, you know, watch out for the weirdos." She goes, "Mister, we are the or we are the weirdos, Mister." So that reminded me of this film because this whole cast, you know, these lovable weirdos in this house that are trying to, but also not trying to get adopted because they like where they're living. Solid cast. You have a super weird guy who is always sweating, um, who likes to eat things that he should not be eating. You that get sounds like, like you, John. Kind of a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> you get like the the perky... A uh, younger lady who just wants to have fun, which sounds like you, Doctor Andy. That's me. Uh, in a nutshell. In a nutshell. <laughs> I also dress. I also dress slutty, which is mm-hmm. one of my, yeah, yeah. Which again, it, I mean, that was part of your uh, idea to get adopted. <laughs> so it was just it was funny. This ensemble, though, I was I was kind of surprised that it did not get more more nods. So, but yeah. So Chateau de Solitaire by Team Narwhal. Uh, I liked the kind of POV diary style entries they would do where they would just look straight into the camera and just talk about themselves and kind of why 
they should get adopted. So, yeah, I like that one a lot. Mm. What is your number two or number I, one? I told you what my number two was. Wait, who are you again? <laughs> where, where are we? <laughs> See, I do pay attention. Mm, sometimes. So your, your number one, da, your, da, da. your favorite film of the Seattle mm. 2018 mm. Seattle 48-hour film project. What could it be? What could it be? Uh, John, you're wrong. Mm. I don't know why you swapped him because Team Narwell was uh, hops and skips and jumps ahead of all the other films. Wow. In the 48-hour film project Seattle this year, Chateau de Solitaire was <laughs> fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. I absolutely agree with you that it should have won the ensemble. I think maybe yeah. um, maybe the pro- uh, project uh, folks wanted to spread the love a little bit. Um, maybe if you win, uh, you can't be an ensemble winner. Or uh, no, something. you can take like any film is up for every you award as long as they award. as long as they that would be impressive. Uh, as long as you turn your film in on time, it has the three required elements. You fit the genre. I mean, again, we have seen films clean up in the awards. Mm. So okay, well, okay, so their ensemble was flawless. Honestly, uh, the acting was great. It's mm-hmm. like um, Mighty Tripod was one or two years ago, I think. Um, each of the characters was was a great character. Mm-hmm. The screenplay was top notch. Yeah, I mean, whoever wrote that was screenplay solid. was did a fantastic job. Um, Editing, directing, cinematography, all super top-notch, insanely good production values. Mm-hmm. The sound was clear. Yeah. Editing, oh, my God. I, I was... Fa- yeah. Anyway. Wow. Okay. Ooh, yeah. Adult Orphanage, uh, you've really de- kind of described it. Um, what I would also say is it definitely had the best use of the um, the line. The line, the, oh, come on, it's only five bucks, mm-hmm. was thrown into a a, uh, a haiku right. where, where the meaning of the word bucks was different from how it was when you think of, oh, come on, it's only five bucks. Mm-hmm. In a way that, again, I... I, I didn't see in any other movie. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I didn't watch all of the movies. Uh, that I didn't see any in any of the movies that I, that I watched. Um, so it was super clever in that. And uh, yeah, this again. When this goes to the international, uh, I think it's it's definitely in there with a chance of of winning. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Seattle just has such a great bunch of filmmakers. We really do. We're so spoilt. Again, so this one could easily be a top contender in the international. Yeah, and that so what what Andy is uh, referring to is so each of the cities that produces a forty eight hour film project, the winning film of that city goes on to and is invited to film a Palooza, which is the international competition. Last year we hosted it; Seattle did. That was awesome. I got to see some incredible, so amazing. Yeah, and some incredible films from all over the world. Uh, this next year, I think like Atlanta or something. So yeah, so I think that this is definitely a solid representation of Seattle. Uh, yeah. So, so it, John, it, it John, was I, okay. I can't. Okay, I'm just trying to imagine <clears throat> what you picked as number one above Chateau de Solitaire that wasn't even in my top three. I feel because it is one that. Okay, so... I'm holding my head. It's about to explode. <laughs> yeah, actually, yes. So, the team 
is Green Banana Productions. The film is Insta Hustle. Similar to the final piece, this was a team that went full bore into the challenge. So, uh, Nora Baker, or yeah, she Nora the Baker is her Instagram handle. And this whole time she is Noah. No, yeah, Noah. I said Nora. Because Noah, yeah, it was just kind of weird. But yes, Noah, Noah the Baker, she is visiting Seattle for her Instagram uh, account. She is this baker. She travels all over. So the whole thing is done with her cell phone or with a cell phone in these kind of interview style. She was around. On a selfie stick. On a selfie stick. She was around Seattle. At one point, she was at like the Ballard, uh, like, fish festival thing that was going on around the time of filming and she incorporated that into her movie to the point where i was like wait is this an actual stranger that she just pulled in no it was an actor <laughs> so like she is just like oh hey you know come and talk to me about such and such she's like oh i'm nora the big she was like oh i follow you on instagram but all the interactions felt organic this was something that she said her name multiple times she incorporated that into the theme this was unique no other film has taken the theme and genre and owned it as much as this film did. I was just super impressed that it was not just a gimmick. Like, she did not just do it once. And they're like, hey, I'm visiting Seattle. I'm Nora the Baker. Here's somebody to talk to. And then it suddenly cuts to something else. They kept with the theme. Really well done. I just, I give it huge props. So that is my, again... I switched it literally right before we started recording. I'm, I'm giving John a hard stare right now. <laughs> but yeah, so Green Banana Productions, Insta Hustle. I was just impressed. Like that takes a lot of effort to make it seem that organic and to stick with it. So, and everybody that she interacted with in the movie, it was never like, oh, hello, Nora the Baker. Like it just felt like she was just bumping into people on the street and they became part of her Insta story. So yeah, super impressed. I think it's a generational thing, John. That was what I... See, I knew... <laughs> so, Andy, Instagram is a social media application. What is this selfie stick we refer right. to? Um, fair enough. I, I, I mean, sort of, yeah, there, there, there was some excellent films and all deserve mm-hmm. props. You are wrong. I'm right. <laughs> but we were almost exactly right. Because, yeah, we I almost, mean... We almost Chateau were. de Solitaire was, was my number one. Just the more I thought about it, when I thought about the challenge and when i thought about just the teams that went all in that was like two of my top three films are teams that really were like okay puzzle how about we run with it and make it a true part of our story mm-hmm. insta hustle it was like i am noah the baker over and over and over again her logo is on there it was just the whole thing made contextual sense <clears throat> okay so <laughs> <laughs> the disapproving okay <laughs> but okay so one thing i just want to uh maybe reiterate mm-hmm. for the teams for 2019 my top three all comedic their genre yeah. wasn't comedy necessarily yeah. but they were all funny and the for the, the i mean apparently this is important to the judges i they they got uh uh two of the top three of my top three were the top three for the competition. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, comedies. Comedies do really well. Even if it's, if your genre is horror, make it a comedy horror and you'll do better. If it's a sci-fi, make it a comedy sci-fi, you'll probably do better. Unless you're incredibly amazing 
at that particular at the whatever genre that you've gotten picked up you you're really going to help yourself in the competition by making it a little bit funny because it pleases the crowd Mm -hmm. it really pleases the crowd it really draws them in so much more i mean sort of in six minutes to make an impact is difficult when you're trying to do some arty noir thing it's really difficult Mm -hmm. but to get if you can get someone to laugh five times in six minutes you've got them you've got them yeah absolutely and that and again just because you choose a different genre does not mean that it cannot have comedy and we're also not saying only do comedy but a little insider tip if you are looking for an award I want to say it is an easy path. None of this is easy, but it is something that just it resonates. Helps. It, it, helps. it helps. I mean, and it is cliche, but comedy is universal. You know, there was a great sci-fi film, uh, Noah one three four two, something like that. I really dug that one. That is not going to be everyone's cup of tea. Find somebody who does not like to laugh. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just so it is a universal thing. Speaking of art house, <laughs> noir, bizarre films um (laughs) a film that was not in my honorable mentions or my top three i just need to talk about it to get it off of my spirit um but you're gonna be nice right the team (laughs) but and team usually indicates more than one person i'm not sure if there's more than one person involved in this the uh individual team is coffee pot productions and the film was turtle Wow. Um, <laughs> this is one where when you see 48-hour film projects and we another uh, festival that <laughs> Andy and I went to a couple years ago now, uh, 36 Chambers, the, the Black Box Collective or whatever, which none of those films... 13 Chambers. Was it? Thir- yeah, 13. Yeah. Um, I was thinking of 36 Chambers, that which was is a, a Wu-Tang. Been incredibly long One of those, a Wu-Tang album. Uh, um, but 13 Chambers, okay. Black Box Collective super super art house films done in these interesting ways turtle by coffee pot productions was an interesting film (laughs) that i had no idea what was going on it wins my wtf award for 2018 uh which is a new award that the about to review podcast is giving out wow this is a film that just I, i have no idea how people can see this i'm not sure if the team or person is on Facebook. Um, but wow. Uh, green screens were used or a green screen. Mm-hmm. Here's a tip. If you're using a green screen for any filmmaker, anybody in general, if you're wearing green and you're working with a green screen, it might not work out so well. Yeah. Um, just this, as I was watching this film, I just, I was laughing because I was just, I was, entertained but i had no idea what was happening uh I think maybe they meant that <laughs> sure <laughs> that is that is andy being incredibly uh generous let me see i don't like to speak ill of the dead so i I'm, I <laughs> he only be nice about he only bonked his head um and his genre was mm-hmm. fantasy mm-hmm. it did fit in the genre um but wow uh it basically does a man becoming a turtle or does he <laughs> it, it, the movie is insane um if you are really interested in checking it out reach out to me i will see if i can have a way for you to see it because it is 
it is out there. So does the winner of my 2018 title film, 20, 48 hour. There are so many numbers. 2018 48 hour film project WTF award winner. Coffee Pot Productions, Turtle. <laughs> uh, but to recap, our top three choices, and again, all of the links for the teams and the films will be in the description below. So if we click on that, if we did not talk about your film, huge congratulations and just props for doing it. There were a total of 61 films that kind of were up for the awards. And so those were the kind of the main ones that we focused on. Congratulations to everybody who turned in a finished film within the allotted time frame. It just, it takes a lot. So congratulations to you guys. Uh, so remind me of your number three. Um, Mighty Tripods, Borislav. And my number three is The Final Piece by Black Door Collective. Number two. My number two is Red Shed's Cheapassic Park. <laughs> and mine is Insta Hustle by Green Banana Productions. And your number one, your favorite film of the Seattle 48-Hour Film Project 2018 is... Da-da, Team Narwhal's Chateau de Solitaire. And I realized that I just said you just, my number two. Yes, yeah, so you went, okay, what see, the I, heck is I going drew on arrows. <laughs> <that flipped around. laughs> he's so confused, he's changed his mind. Team Narwhal wins all. <laughs> no. Yes. Uh, so sorry about that, uh, Team Narwhal. Narwhal, you are my number two choice oh. for Chateau de Solitaire. My number one best of the city this year is Insta Hustle by Green Banana Productions. They took the theme, they took the character, ran with it. Huge props to them. That takes a lot of work. So, yeah, that about wraps it up for our coverage of the Seattle 48-hour film project. Uh, the other parts of this episode included a review for Christopher Robin and The Darkest Mind, so definitely check that out. Uh, and it may or may not include some interviews with some of the filmmakers involved in the 48-hour film project little spoiler whoa or potential spoiler or teaser is it a teaser <laughs> i think that's a teaser something like that yeah so uh yeah that wraps it up any final thoughts dr andy um i i <laughs> <laughs> wow i have no i have absolutely no thoughts whatsoever no I, it's fantastic uh, well done everybody who uh entered a film into the 48 hour film project uh props you uh no matter how fantastic you thought the product was at the end the fact that you would actually do uh, make an attempt was was laudable absolutely so thank you again to kirk nordenstrom and chris flink the city producers uh again the link to this uh to their city their city our city will be in the description below so yeah thank you dr andy for breaking this film festival down yet again the seattle 48 hour horror film project is right around the corner. Mm -hmm. So we'll see you uh, back here for that, if not before. My pleasure. Sitting down with the host, host with the most, Derek Sheen. <laughs> Welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you for having me. So we just wrapped the Seattle 48-hour film project, which you yes. have been involved with before. I have, I have. This is my first, uh, this is the, the capacity of Master of Ceremonies tonight. It's the first time I've done that. Mm -hmm. This is a little terrifying. <laughs> it was fine. Not that you have to remember a whole bunch of stuff and team names and films. No I pressure. failed miserably. I even had a clipboard with me, but it seemed to, I mean, I played through. So with Seattle and with your comedian career, comedic career, I should say. I'll take them both. Fair. So what were kind of those steps in the local scene that made you want to expand nationally and just kind of go over that process? Because a lot of people with acting, like we just saw... Oh, there's yeah. A, there's a set path. It is like, okay, 
I can do this, 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 and it builds. With comedy, what does that path look like? Well, com- comedy is different because uh, I think with acting, if you compare it to acting, you never get validation right away. Right. You're doing some work for somebody else, and you're work like you're doing your best to make sure you make their work come to life. Mm-hmm. And so you may not even see it that often, or many people might not even see it. So you kind of do it because you enjoy the exercise, or you know, it's it pays well. Comedy uh, for me, I think it, it's always all the comics that I know. It's instant gratification, right? So even if you fail, you instantly know you're failing at it. And if you're doing well, it's even better because you're like, this is really moving. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I mean, I think the thing that drew me to to stand up more than anything else is uh, I like that instantaneous rush of uh, it. It can go either way. In any second, oh, yeah. you can lose an, an entire audience of people, uh, which we did not witness tonight. I will. We <laughs> did not. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the only people that left were people that were maybe sensitive to the material, yeah. which totally makes sense. They were children, and <laughs> and uh, the jokes were uh, maybe not uh, at their level yet. Level not of yet, appreciation yet. yet. I'm sure they got uh, the Trump stuff. They would have liked. But, oh yeah, uh, that, you nailed it with that. <laughs> that was right on their they demographic. But I think it's the I liked I you know I I've, I've acted I was a musician for a long time and I think the big difference is when I when I went on stage you can't do stand up you can't rehearse it in an empty right. room unlike a unlike an instrument mm-hmm. or acting you can just have a partner to work out lines with but comedy has to be done in the moment it has to be done around people and and if you suck at it. Uh, which everybody does when they start. Everybody, everybody right. sucks. There might there's exceptions to the rule, but I don't like those people. Nobody does. They're too good already, right mm-hmm. off the bat. Uh, but you get something immediately, even if it's crushing failure. It happens quick, and I think there's an addiction to that that people are like, oh, well, the next time I go up, I'm going to try and not get crushed as hard, and you just keep learning how to like do that. So now you know, at 13 years in. Wow. Now you know that when you're failing, you know how to tell when you're failing, so that you don't fail as bad. You know, you can hear your, you can hear the crickets, and when things are going south, you learn how to fix it. So how to course correct on the spot. So you not only get the instant gratification of like uh, um, the adulation and uh, a validation, but you also get like. Um, you get to work in the moment and go like, oh, something's broken. I have to fix it right now, and I have to use both sides of my brain. So it's very it's a different exercise. I think acting's harder because you don't get that. Mm-hmm. You won't know until the until director... Eight months later when you yeah. might see the film with a premiere or an early screening with yeah. cast and crew. Or when the director and the editor are like, oh, these scenes don't fit together because I need more of this. And so there's a lot more intensive work mm-hmm. where comedy is. I think it's there are different levels of hard where comedy you have to just be out front all the time and there's no backup there's no way to save you right now since you've been doing it for these 13 years what has been maybe not your greatest success and failure but what is a success and a failure that comes to mind oh man um i would say okay and i hope that uh, i'll be on i'll be brutally honest okay um my my biggest success was the fact that I got to work. I get to work with my idols. Okay. Like that's the thing that I'm. I'm the most like, you know, the comics that I really looked up to and 
you know, and and I told myself when I started, that's my goal is to just be able to open for those those comics. Those are Su- the guys such I, as you can give a couple examples. Pat Oswalt, Brian mm-hmm. Posehn, Janine Garofalo, awesome, uh, Kyle Kinane, Jackie Cash, and I've gotten to work with all those guys. Uh, Lori Kilmartin, comics that I really looked up to, and. Lori, Lori Kilmartin, who has a podcast with Jackie Cation, mm-hmm. uh, she, I, she was my, I, she let me feature for her my very first time. Wow! She was the first comic that was like, yeah, you can open for me. So <laughs> that was awesome. You know, that was yeah. a big step for me. But yeah, those are all comics that I looked up to, and now I get to work with them all the time. Brian Posehn takes me out with him all the time. I'm super fortunate. Because that that's a weird dream to get to come true. I know? was going to say, I mean, that is something that you put out in the universe when you're first starting. And I think a lot of people have those people in whatever field they're in, whatever industry they, they might be in, but then get to the point, regardless of your industry, to realize that you had fulfilled at least part of your dream yeah. is huge. There's got to be, I mean, there's got to be a, a one corner of that that you get to knock out in anything mm-hmm. you do, hopefully. You know, especially in the arts. Yeah. Because I always thought, like, well, I'll never get to play music in front of 3,000 people. That was one thing I always thought. Like, 3,000 people sounds like a lot of people to play music in it front of. It does sound like a lot of people. <laughs> and then I got to work with Patton last year in two arenas that were, or two theaters that were easily 3,500 to 4,000 capacity Sheesh. with two balconies. And I was like, oh, uh, this is even better. Right. I didn't get to play guitar in front of people, but I am I am the only person on stage getting attention. Mm-hmm. Like, that's so much better. Excellent. So crazy, right? I mean... So but, with those kind of successes and with those manifestations really of your dreams... Yes. That is all the good things. What about something, you know, so you talked about some crushing failure? defeats. Yeah. Uh, okay, and I, I'll say, I'll, I'll be brutally honest, because I thought of like, oh, it'd be this show or this one thing. Those are just off nights. But my biggest failure that I was really excited about, like my third album that came out, mm-hmm. that just everything just went off the rails. I've never, and it was kind of exciting because that meant that I was, I have a career enough right. so that something could go off the rails. So it was very, it was weirdly double edged where I was like, this sucks. This sucks. This album's not going anywhere. It didn't get any headway. It got mm. no promotion. And. But on the other side, I was like, ooh, that's a problem I have now. Like, what a cool problem. <laughs> right. Like, oh, you mean my piece of media that I made didn't do as well as I expected, as well as the last two? So that's great. That's a great problem to have. Because it, it's a failure. I'm mm-hmm. still bummed about it. And I'm, I'm doing another album this October. I'm recording one that will come out in 2019. But, I mean, I already know what it feels like to have something uh, shit the bed. Right. So if it happens twice, then it doesn't hurt as bad, you know? Nice. So I'm trying to find all the silver linings with it because I'm like, it gave me a lot of tools. It sucked because I really loved that album, mm-hmm. and it was a big step for me creatively, and I did it in one take, and it's the first time I ever did a, a, a one-shot where I went wow. out in one show, and, and I felt like I really did a good job, but it just didn't do anything and unfortunately the label had a hard time with it because there was just it all, everything was the wrong time and it sucked like it sucked because i really was <laughs> behind it 100 mm-hmm. uh but then again it's like oh well that was a failure but it was a failure creating art so yeah all right i mean because the art doesn't suck mm-hmm. just the delivery sucked you know the content delivery was not on so and it at least gave you something to then 
work off of because that, that happening with your third album is a lot different than that happening with your first. Yeah. Even your second because your first one, if it does well, and your second album just bombs, you immediately start doubting all of your yeah. decisions. <laughs> I, got, I got lucky on the first one, and then I got even luckier on the second one. And then the third one just kind of popped out like, like the, it's like the third kid. Like at that point, you just kick the food over to it. And you're like, you feed yourself. I'm done. Right. So that's kind of how I felt. So I'm kind of hoping that we go into this next one with like, because I feel like I've been doing it long enough. Something At some point, something's got to hit for a second. So gotcha. and if it doesn't, then I'm like, all right, back to the drawing board. Right. So this will be your fourth album, yeah. so let people know kind of when they can expect it and where they can find you on social media. I mean, I hope that it comes out. My goal, if we, we do it in October, is to have it out by March. Okay. And we're going to fast track it because Dan Schlissel, who runs Stand Up Records, the label that I'm on, mm-hmm. out of Minneapolis, uh, who, by the way, uh, th- th- no fault of, of his. It was just shitty timing, and he knows I feel like that, but... Uh, but I think this next one's going to actually, we'll, I think we'll do well. We want to get it out because the material's done. It's been ready to go. Nice. And it's weird to have four albums. With, hi. It's weird to have four albums when uh, uh, you're not, like, you have, don't have a cable special or you don't have Netflix or anything. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, just keep doing it then. We'll, we'll see what happens. But Excellent. it's fun for me. So we'll, I, hopefully March and you'll be able to find it on iTunes, Spotify, uh, StandUpRecords.com. Very cool. And then where can people follow you on social media and all of your adventures and travel schedule ah, and anything? You can find me on my my new website uh, is uh, Derek Sheen Rules, which is D-E-R-E-K-S-H-E-E-N-R-U-L-Z. Of course. Because I'm 13 years old. Why would it be anything yeah. else? <laughs> uh, and it's got that's got all the press, audio clips, if you haven't, you know, if you want to go listen to stuff for free. Uh, tons of video and dates are updated every four or five days Fantastic. and you can find me on twitter at derek sheen or facebook same thing but yeah so thank you so much derek thanks uh, for having me sir yeah. and i will put all of the links to your show or to your shows and to your social media in the description below you, this was great you were such a uh, natural interviewer it was very fun oh i thank uh, you thank you <laughs> another year down for the seattle 48 hour film project welcome to the studio <laughs> by studio i mean two couches at the solo bar and eatery <laughs> is City producer, 14-year city producer. 14, Kirk, yeah. Kirk Nordenstrom, welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me again. So, wow, this year, 74 entries. 76. 76 total entries. 76 registered. Oh, okay, yes. <laughs> here's, here's my numbers breakdown. <laughs> um, 70 turned in films. Okay. It was abnormally high number of films just not turned in this year. Right. Because, you know, stuff happens. Yes. Um, People get real excited, and then they're like, wait, we have to do what by when? Yeah. Um, Let's see. I think we had 61 on time, so 15 were late, which is, you know, about 20%. So the average is 15 to 20% are late. Right. So a little on the high side, but not out of of normal. And speaking of high side, this is the second highest number of film, number of teams Registered. Registered. Yeah. Ever. 76. 84 in... 2015, right? 15, yeah. 2015 was our our biggest year at 84. Sheesh. And what I... I mean, and I've talked about it in years past. What I love is that as long as you turn your film in, it will screen. So that is something just unique and special because 
a lot of people, yeah, if they're getting close to that cutoff and they're freaking out, thinking that they're not going to be able to make it, finish it up in one way or another. It might not be perfect. Finish it. Turn it in. People will get the chance to see it. Exactly. I mean, it's there's a lot of you know filmmaking competitions out there, yep. and uh, you know one of the big selling points for the 48 is you know we rent a real theater. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a the Uptown Room One. That's a 500 seater, and that's a big yeah. I mean that screen is you know, a quarter of a city block long. You know, it's right. <laughs> It's a big screen. Mm-hmm. It's not the Cinerama, but it's still right. it's a big screen. And uh, you know, just to be sitting in the room with you know your filmmaking peers, mm-hmm. and everyone's cheering for everyone else's films, Absolutely. and uh, you know, it's it's very inspiring to sure. to see it. And well, especially to think about all the hard work that goes into making it, cutting it, doing the audio, and the payoff is. Two weeks later, you know, three weeks later, you get to see it on the big screen. Oh, one week later. Oh, that is true. Yeah, for the from, premieres, for the which premieres. you didn't come to. Right. But I was here for the <laughs> award ceremony. <laughs> I was here for the best of, and I watched all the films. So, but yeah, it just you watched all the eligible films. Eligible films. Yeah. That that is that is correct. So, what would you say has attributed to the success of such a high number of teams? registered this year compared to years past you know i wish i knew um <laughs> see i was waiting for some kirk inside there to I, give to your peers you know, I'm, other- trying, I'm trying to you know i have 120 other you know me's around the world yes uh and we you know we have a facebook group and you know we discuss issues all the time in it and you know, we're trying to find ways to actually kind of, you know, like data mine. Yeah, quantify you know, the data, something. Yeah, quantify things. Because, uh, you know, I'm kind of averaging. It seems like low to mid-70s is kind of, you know, my a- my average mm-hmm. for Seattle, which is, is great. We're punching Absolutely. above our weight class. You know, we have a metropolitan, greater metropolitan area here of, I think it's just under 3 million people. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Mexico City a couple of years ago did 212 teams. <laughs> oh, my God. It's just like they looked, at, they looked at, like, L.A. and Paris with their mm-hmm. 170s. Man. I just went, hey, hold my beer. And 212. You know, 212. Now, that was teams registered. Teams registered. Do you know how many actually? I don't know, <laughs> the, st- I don't like, know the statistics. Even so, at 15 to 20%, that is still an insane number. Yeah. I mean, they probably have as many late films as I have teams. You know, I mean, yeah, it's probably. just insane. But, uh, I mean, because one of the things that I was thinking, you know, that this year you have had, I mean, you always have an amazing group of people helping you out and supporting you. But with Chris Flink taking over with the 48-hour horror film project, you know, last year, and this is her first year. I mean, she has yet to sign the papers as, as of recording <laughs> to be an official associate city producer. But, I mean, I could tell it just in the build-up to this. Having a core team of the two of you, I really feel like, is going to propel this forward. No, I mean, it was... I've tried out some, you know, friends in the filmmaking industry as, you know, associate producers in the past. And for, you know, various legitimate reasons, you know, it it just didn't didn't pan out. Right. Um, 
So I kind of went back to it's like, oh, I'm going to do it all myself again. <laughs> right. And when I had 84 teams, uh, it almost killed me. Because, yeah. I mean, I two days after all the films were turned in, we started screening. Jeez. And, I mean, I'm a post-production guy, so it's kind of, you know, a source of pride for me. Like, no, I can make this happen. Mm-hmm. And uh, it almost killed me. Um, yeah. So I'm like, no, we're going to do the screenings a week out now. Because mm-hmm. I want to grow this to be, I want to be a 100-plus team city. For sure. Uh, but I realized I can't do that on my own. And, you know, I've worked with Chris on a handful of... You know, projects, and we took a directing, writing class together. Okay. And, you know, we just work really well together. And we, you know, we like each other. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I asked her to help out with horror last year. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, just kept it easy. You know, kind of, you know, here's, here's the rough outline. Right. But then uh, one week before the awards ceremony, I got a call from my brother that I had to get out to Montana. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, 12 hours later, I got out to Montana, and my my mom passed away. Right. And, but in the time in between me actually getting on a plane, you know, I had one week until the award screening for horror. Jeez. I called Chris. <laughs> it must have looked like a drug deal. We met <laughs> in this parking lot in at a community theater in Renton. Oh, boy. And I handed off a hard drive with all the files. Sure. And just said, uh, I will, I'll email you details of stuff. Mm-hmm. Was it handcuffed to your wrist in a briefcase? No, it was in oh, my okay. pocket in my cargo shorts. Oh, of course. Yeah, kind of like now. I'm right. surprised I don't have a hard drive on me right now. Right. But I've never... I've never missed an event for this in 14 years, mm-hmm. and it's understandable why I missed this Absolutely. one. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, but I didn't feel at all nervous, you mm-hmm. know, because Chris does; she produces events. Yeah. And shout out to know, Events on the Edge Productions. Yes, Events on the Edge. Um, and I, I wasn't worried about it, strangely mm-hmm. enough. And then. You know, the day of, on November 12th, I was like, oh, shit. Um, yeah, my event's going on. I got a little worried that day mm-hmm. just because it was the first time I've never been at yeah. one of my events. And she, you know, I saw the photos the next day mm-hmm. and people were posting on Facebook. We had a great time. Tons of pictures of happy people with their awards. Yeah. And, um, uh, you know, it was, at, it was at that moment when I saw those photos, I was like, Yep, she's going to be, you know, associate producer. Mm -hmm. And so this year, you know, it hasn't been official. Mm -hmm. um, But the paperwork is now, you know, in. On its way. It's it's been forwarded to Chris. Right. And uh, so it'll be nice to make it actually, you know, like legit, official. And, you know, she's competed in the 48 before. Mm -hmm. And she does live events. And... It'll be nice to have, you know, a new perspective and viewpoints. Mm-hmm. I've been doing this for so long that, you know, I'm, I'm really set in my ways. Right. Um, but I'm not opposed to trying new things or, you know, I like to think I'm an open-minded <laughs> right. uh, person. So, you know, she's thrown out some ideas and, you know, we talk them out and, 
you know, I kind of put him through the filter of, you know, these are the objectives. How does that help? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, she's got a lot of good ideas. So I think it's – and also just dividing up the labor. Yes. I think I think, you know, we'll be able to do more than twice the work with two of us. Absolutely. So I'm I'm really grateful to have to have Chris on board, and she's very excited about it, and yeah, and she's very good at what she does. So absolutely, yeah, it definitely it just like I said, it feels like a great partnership, just not only just friendship, but also just partnership because you yeah. want to continue to grow, continue to elevate, and get more people involved. So that yeah. is just one of the things that I love about this is seeing the amount of filmmakers from ages nine, you know, and up compete in this thing is just inspiring every single year yeah so thank you for the opportunity to you know cover it again and i mean i was a sponsor again this year and i love supporting it because these are the films that matter because these are the ones where people are really forced in 48 hours to be creative to be just on the spot and be like all right this is what we have to do well that's that's the thing it's i mean there's there are those that view the four required elements mm-hmm. as, you know, creative limiters, you know, right. that they're obstacles. And I think that's the exact wrong way to look at it. Mm-hmm. It's, I, you know, because we have a sister competition called the Four Points Film right. Project. And as a city producer, I'm not allowed to compete in any 48. So there's mm-hmm. like this whole schedule. If I stop producing Seattle right now it's five years until I can run my own team wow okay two years before I can be crew on a team in any city interesting so and I understand that yeah. you know it's it totally makes sense um, but the four points I get to participate participate in, in right. um, I don't win any you know I'm not eligible for awards mm-hmm um, one year, my buddy Dima and I did it. He wanted to be eligible for a award, so I did it under an assumed name. Gotcha. You know, he registered the team, and we did it under assumed name. And then, uh, spoiler alert: you guys won two awards. <laughs> no, no, not that. That was that was a different year. Oh, we didn't win any year. awards. Oh, okay. When when Dima and Hillary and I get together, I mean, we just get absurd. Um, we're not doing it to win awards, right. but, but um, to flex those creative yeah. muscles. But you know, when I did the four points in 2014, um, I put together just this wish list mm-hmm. of people, largely that I've met through the 48, and uh, you know, Angela Demarco, David Hogan, right. Paulie and Horn, Rochelle Henry, Dominic Barbero, our winner this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and just you know, a whole bunch of other cast and crew um, that I met through the 48, and everyone said yes. And all I wanted to do was write and direct. Mm-hmm. And I had this just top-notch awesome. cast and crew. And literally, all I did was write and direct. Everyone else just did their jobs. Mm-hmm. You know, Dominic, Imagine you know, that. killed it behind the camera. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the entire cast just, you know, they the script was rushed. Mm-hmm. So they really, you know, they brought their expertise to it. It was, it was fantastic. But, you know, it's an amazing way to, you know, meet people yes. and, you know, develop professional relationships. Mm-hmm. Like, 
you know, last fall, I was assistant editor and digital imaging technician on both Dominic Barbero's feature and then Angela and David's feature. Mm-hmm. You know? And that is, again, it, the, these events are about community. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, it's... Um, and I'm just, you know, talking to a couple of people here, like our, our uh, second place sponsor, mm-hmm. They Reach, the movie, uh, that entire creative team met on the 48 a couple right. of years ago. Right. And they're, they're, you know, they've shot, I believe they're, you know, in post-production. Um, but yeah, they all met because yeah. of the 48. They're that making movies. Awesome. It's great. Very cool. And as far as upcoming things, can you go over the dates again for the 48? The next thing on the docket is the Seattle 48 hour horror film. Yes. Project. So registration for that is open now. Okay. And the event weekend will be October 5th through the 7th. Mm hmm. And for numerous reasons, like a wedding and my birthday, we're not doing it. Uh, we're not screening the week after but we're waiting and apparently uh the uptown is just booked all of october wow so our okay. screenings are actually going to be the 23rd and 24th of october okay and our award screening will be on halloween at arc lodge theater in uh columbia, columbia city. city nice very cool well, yeah i definitely will make sure to put the links to that so registration is open right now so for those and of you spaces are episode, limited. We yeah, always because yeah. uh, the horrors. It's a smaller event, mm-hmm. uh, forty-eight spaces, and I have to be very judicious about like promoting it because I mean it just fills up. Yeah, it just fills up. Yeah. So those of you who are listening to this episode and you have a team now that you just worked with and you want to work with them again, you have a chance in just a couple months. But register as soon as possible. <laughs> and the the horror audiences are very energetic. Very much so. Yeah, yes. we are we are a horror city here in mm-hmm. Seattle. So, excellent. Well, thank you again, Kirk, for thank not just you, being the city producer, but just just a great champion of, of the arts uh, in the community. So, I do what for, I can for all of the things you do in <laughs> Seattle. Thank you. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Get ourselves a treat!